Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. In John chapter 8, we'll start with verse 1, we'll do verses 1 through 11, and then uh, we'll break it down for a minute. Um, Verse 1, Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words, so he sat down and taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle, and they made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. In verse five, I want to pause right here. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us what do you say we should do with her? Now, I understand this in verse five, they're trying to trap her, but I, I've, you know, I've heard preachers say this, but today I've I seen the scripture itself, but, you know, they're quoting Moses, they're quoting the Mosaic law, they're quoting the, you know, the covenant, the old covenant where, you know, if a woman is caught in adultery, they should, you know, she should be stoned. But here, I, w- I want you to notice, they only accuse one person of it. Only accuse one person of it. But really, you know, Jesus said, if you're going to keep the law, you got to keep all of it. You know, I was very blessed, you know, in my younger years of, of being um, uh, more adventurous. And, you know, it was before Dre came around. So therefore, you know, I would hear stories of other kids, other of my friends that had siblings and stuff. And one sibling messed up, everybody had to get whooping. I didn't experience that. If I messed up, it was just me, myself, and I getting a, getting a whooping. You know, when Dre came around, if Dre got a whooping, I didn't get one. So I got the benefit from that. But Jesus said, if you break one commandment, you've broken all of them. If you're going to keep one, you have to keep all of them. And these, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, you know, they were like, hey, she, I didn't do it. I wanted to. I I wanted to. You know, they were Sadducees. Why? Because they were sad, you see. (laughs) But they, 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 they only, they only mentioned part of the law. And really, the, the full part of the law in Leviticus, we're not going to turn there, but for those, if you, if, if you need to, if you want to write it down, but Leviticus 2010, Deuteronomy 22, verse, uh, chapter 22, verses 22 through 24, literally says, the law says in this situation that a man and the man and woman should be stoned. They only brought up, well, she, she was caught, so shouldn't be, she'd be stoned. It's crazy the fact that they only brought up one portion of it. But Jesus, I mean, Jesus literally like, hey, the whole law, if you're going to keep one law, you got to keep all of it. And it says both parties are guilty. Amen. It takes two to tango. In verse six, <clears throat> they were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. This last verse. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. So I love it because in verse six, it literally says, as Jesus asked them the question, he then began to stoop down and write in the sand. And I love this because, you know, it's one of those small little footnotes that we that we are uh, one of those verses we kind of just gently, you know, gloss over as we're reading the whole story. But that's powerful. The fact that, you know, as he says that, as he reminds them of the law and then asks them a question, he begins. The scripture says, the, uh, what, what did it say in verse six? 
that literally with his finger, he began to write in the sand. Now, that phrase is powerful, finger right in the sand. Why? Because, you know, in, what is it? In Exodus 31, 18, it's not the first time that we see God write with his finger. In Exodus, in the book of Exodus, the finger of God writes the Ten Commandments, the, the Old Covenant, and then issues it out to Moses. So it's interesting. It's, 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 it's almost ironic. It's almost comical, the fact that, you know, that he mentions the law. And then he begins to almost revisit what he did in the very beginning. And here they are reminding him of what he, what he said. And literally, understand this. The Lord gave Moses two stone tablets, you know, which we said was the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. And how it's interesting that they would quote, uh, they would quote to him the law when originally he wrote it. But all, having said all that, you know, it said in the very beginning that the woman was caught in adultery and they brought her before the people. Now, I never realized this growing up, but literally, if you really study this out, he was in the temple. He was in the temple teaching the Torah, teaching the word of God, teaching who the father was. And all of a sudden, there's this woman who was literally caught in the middle of adultery. They caught her and they bring her. So the, the, every translation you look, it says that she was caught in the act of adultery. We all grown in here. I ain't going to get too physical, graphical about the same. If she's caught, it didn't say that they brought her, they gave her time to change. It didn't say they gave her time to clean herself up. It says that they brought her from in the middle of they and brought her in front of everybody. So, you, I mean, you imagine this woman who was probably naked or half naked, caught in the middle of adultery, and they are blast, they are telling what she's did in front of everybody. And as I was reading this, it instantly triggered a memory. I remember there was, uh, back when I was in sixth grade, we, um, I was in my sixth grade math class, and I'll be honest, church, I did not like this math class. I didn't like the math teacher. I, I struggled with anything past simple math. I was good at algebra. At anything after algebra, I was, it, was, it was done deal. It, that wasn't the lane I'd driven in. Still don't drive in. And uh, <clears throat> I, don't know, I doubt it's like that now, but in this classroom, they had the chalkboards. I don't know if you remember this, Miranda, because we were in Kwood around the same time. But they had the chalkboards from, and it stretched from the ceiling all the way to the floor. And there was six or seven of them. That way students can go up and they're all working the problems at the same time and they would kind of race and stuff like that. <clears throat> and um, I, would, uh, I would always struggle and I would always pray every day that I never got called to go up to the board because I knew I wasn't going to be able to solve any problems. And there was one time um, in, in, the, in the middle of my sixth grade year, I ended up getting the blessed opportunity to switch and go to a Title I math class because I just struggled with math that bad. But before I did, the, the cherry on top or the kicker, what, which is what made it happen, was um, the last time in this particular math class, you know, the teacher she gave, I'm not going to mention her name, but the teacher gave an equation, and it was a pretty hard equation. And, you know, there's several people raising their hand, oh, let me, let me do it, let me do it. Lindsay, I want you to come and do it. And I'm like, I don't even have my hand raised. I'm like, you know I'm not going to solve it. Like, you know I can't solve it. So I get up there, and I'm just, you know, just staring at it. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. And you know how it is when you were kids. You're nervous. Everything feels bigger than what it really is. And I feel like people are, are I can hear whispers. I feel like people are understanding, okay, well, Lindsay doesn't know how to do this. And I turn around and tell the teacher, I'm like, hey, I, I don't know how to do this. And she just begins to belittle me begins to ridicule me and begins to mock me. And she said, you're not going to sit back down. You're going to finish that problem. And I remember getting to watch myself. I cried standing at the board with the chalk in my hand. Tears are falling down the chalkboard. And instead of this teacher doing what a good teacher does, she began to mock me more and yelled at me and told me to just go sit down. And I remember having to walk the walk of shame all the way to the back of my seat. And I remember I couldn't even look up. I couldn't look at other students. I couldn't look at my classmates. I couldn't look at my best friend because I was so embarrassed. I remember even going to lunch. I didn't want to talk about it. And in this story in John chapter 8, I could, yes, I, I've never been like that woman, but I can understand the shame and the ridicule and the embarrassment that she experienced because in her moment of weakness, she was brought in front of everybody. In my moment of weakness, I was put on display in front of everybody. I'm pretty sure we can all paint the walls of the room with moments of weakness where you have been displayed in front of people that you wish you, you weren't displayed in front of. But Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus being, you know, it's interesting that in my moment, now I mentioned it was a teacher that did that. In her moment, it was a teacher that didn't do what my teacher did. This teacher, instead of belittling her, he empowered her. He empowered her. He silenced the critics. He silenced the voice of the critics. He forgave her. He didn't condemn her. And he empowered her. And he, go, and he told her to go and sin no more. He told her to go and sin no more. He forgave her, empowered her, and told her to go and sin no more. When Jesus didn't condemn her, he was showing us that neither does the Father desire to condemn you. The Father's desire is to forgive, redeem, and empower. The Father, Jesus didn't get, uh, Jesus wasn't in the moment where like, yeah, you did that. How dare you? I can't believe, dude, I created you for more than this. What, you're living beneath your purpose. No, no, no. He said, hey, yeah, she's not perfect, but who else in the, in the room is perfect? If, if, you know what, if you guys are so right, if you've kept every ounce of the law, then go and grab a stone. And they're like, well, and we see the voices of the accusers, the accuser of the brother. We see, this, we see it, just this hush as it goes from the oldest to the least and they begin to leave. And then he turns around and looks at her. He forgives her, doesn't condemn her, and tells her to go and sin no more. That's what freedom really looks like. And it only comes from Jesus. It only comes from Jesus. See, the, the root of sin is to believe a lie about yourself. The root of sin is to believe a lie about yourself. Adam and Eve, they sin. Why? Because they believed a lie. They believed that God, the Father, was withholding from them. Well, if you were like God, then he would have let you eat of that tree. So, well, you know what? Why, why didn't God let us? I, I guess we're not like God. Well, you can be like God, eat of that tree. Well, I want to be like God. How can you want to be like something that you already are? That's like me saying, I want to be a 33-year-old male. Lindsay, look in the mirror, bro. Look at your driver's license. Look at your birth certificate. You are 33 years old, and you are a male. It's like me saying, I want to be a dad. Lindsay, uh, who's that tapping your shoulder at six in the morning? <laughs> you are a dad. Or when we get ready to leave, who's that, you know, pulling your pants like, ask you to make a paper airplane? Or who's that yelling in the back of the van, I'm hungry? That is the mini version of you, Lindsay. You are a dad. <laughs> you know, we can't desire to be something that we already are unless we believe a lie about ourselves that we're not that. Sin is believing a lie about yourself. Sin is believing a lie about yourself. And when he said, go and sin no more, understand this, we've talked about it before, but the, the, the Greek word for sin is hamartia. Thus means, and hamartia means to be without your allotted portion or without form. A disoriented, distorted, bankrupt identity. Literally, hamartia is without form. Sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's design, to behave out of God's original identity for your life. Sin is a distorted view. Hey, Marty, it's a distorted view. Adam and Eve, they, their, their, their understanding and perception of the Father was distorted because they believed a lie, which led them to miss the mark, which led them to sin, which led them to disobey God. A lot of times when we're sinning, it's because we're, we're, uh, our, our view, our perception of God being an unconditional, love, love, uh, unconditional loving God, we, we don't see him like that. We see him as a conditional God. Well, I, don't, I, don't, if, I, can't, I, can't, I can't please him, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Or I, I, mess, I messed up, and I know he. I know, ooh, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to sit out from church this week. I'm, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to glorify him this week with, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do me. Sin is looking and believing a lie. And when Jesus told the woman, "Go and sin no more," literally, he was saying. <clears throat> In verse 11, literally, he, was, he, he never told her to go and sin less. He never said, hey, you know what, I want, you to, I want you to keep a tally of the things that you do and the things that you don't do wrong. No, he said, when he said, go and sin no more, he said, literally, go and don't believe the lies about who, you, uh, who the enemy says you are. 
literally when he was saying go and sin no more, he was saying don't build your life based off of lies about the father being distant, punishing, torturing, and withholding. When he was saying go and sin no more, he was literally saying go and live this life looking at God the way you're supposed to look at him. You and I, we are free to see the father for who he really is. Freedom is being able to say, okay, God is Papa. The Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth, is literally reminding me of my sonship. It's reminding me that I'm in the family of God. It's reminding me that I'm in the Perichoresis Fellowship. So can we skip down to verse 31 and 32? I'm sorry, I didn't give you that. John chapter 8. But we are free to see the Father for who he really is. Yes, ma'am. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, look at that, if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. If you embrace the truth, what is the truth? That I am made in the image of God. That I am redeemed. I am loved. I am healed. I am whole. I am not forgotten about. I am not abandoned. I am not by myself. I'm in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm in union with, that means that there's nothing that they do without me knowing. Not because they're like, oh, let's make sure we run it by Miranda. Let's check with Miranda. Let's check with Dre. No, no, no. Why? Because he's not withholding whatever he's doing in the season. We get to be a part of that. Like Marvin Wine and saying, whatever you do in this season, Bishop Paul is more, whatever you do in this season, Lord, don't do it without me. Being in union, we don't, have to, we don't have to ask God that. We don't have to plead to God. Lord, whatever you're doing, please don't do it without No, no, no. I'm in union with him, so guess what? I get to see what he's doing. I get to hear what he's doing. I get to experience. I get to fellowship with what he's doing. Why? Because we're in union with him. See, to be free means at some point we were once enslaved, bound, or held captive by someone or something. That, you know, I'm going to keep saying this point over and over until we finish today, but you and I, we are free to see the Father for who he really is. So if we're free to see the Father for who he is, that means that at one point in your life, we were bound by something. In no particular order, I'm going to mention a few things. Let me mention a few things that have bound us at some point or another. Religion, that's the first one. Religion, somebody say religion. So religion in the Latin, literally the word re is a prefix meaning return, and legar means to bind. You ready for this? So religion really means to return to bondage. Return to bondage. Anybody ready to go back to bondage? Go, go and lift your hands. I, I, get, I get upset when I got to sign, uh, whenever we buy new phones, and I have to re-sign the contract. They're like, go and sign right here, Mr. Melton. I'm like, don't call me Mr. Melton. Like, I don't want to go back to that culture. I don't want to have to, you know. But religion, literally, in the prefix, re, return, lagar, bind, returning to bondage. And watch this, returning to bondage in Luke, we're not going to turn there, but uh, the voice of religion sounds like the older brother in Luke 15. Luke 15, we've read it before, but if you don't know, Luke 15 is the, the story of the prodigal son. The son goes out to Memphis and Vegas and lives his life and does all he wants to do. Just paraphrasing in the Lindsay Mail translation. And comes back and, be- and he's expect- he thinks that he's going to have to beg his father to love him again. And as, he come- as he's walking down the road, the father runs out. And we said before that one of the-, the law back then was if your son or daughter was rebellious and they left, they couldn't return. They would have to be taken to the middle of town and stoned to death. So as the father's running, he's running to show everybody in the community, hey, we're not going to stone this because I've accepted him back. And the rest of the story goes that the father begins to give him the robe, the seal of sonship, the fatted calf, the best meat, the best barbecue sauce, throws the best party for him, and the older brother gets jealous. That's what the voice of religion sounds like. The voice of religion sounds like the older brother. Well, Father, I've, I've been doing all, I've been, I've been slaving away, I've been working, I've been getting up, I've been doing all these different things, I, 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 and you have not blessed me one bit. And the Father says, all that I have, everything that you see has always been available for you. That's what grace looks like. 
That's where we see the cl uh, uh, a clash of religion and grace. Religion is saying, hey, hey, I've, I've, look what I've done by the sweat of my brow. Look at what I've accomplished. And grace is saying, you didn't have to do that because what you desire was always around you. The things you thought you needed, you, you could have just asked. You could have just rested in those things. And, how I, you know, the scripture never says how the older brother failed after that. But could you imagine? Man, I've I spent all my life doing these things when I could have just rested. I could have not sweated so much. I could have not worried. I could have not got myself worked up or anxious. You know, we, we, we get like that t at times. Anxious about nothing. Get worrisome. You know, Jesus said it best. If you worry, Kelsey has reminded me of this all the time. Mom has reminded me of this all the time. If you worry, it does not add an inch or a cubit to your height. So therefore, what does worrying do? Just takes up time. It doesn't do nothing. And literally, the voice of religion looks like the older brother. So as you're living this life, if you, if you sense yourself, well, Lord, I, I've done this, I've done that. No, that's the spirit of religion rising up. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I, I've been freed from that. I've been freed from that. I've been freed from that. Somebody say, I've been freed from that. Another thing we find ourselves bound up is a sin consciousness. Having a sin consciousness, this is what empowers religion. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. You don't have to turn there, but you can put that in your notes. Hebrews 10, and, uh, verses 2 and 3 says this, but being conscious of sin, always being aware of where you miss it, where you mess up, always being aware of your shortcomings, always being aware of your weakness, this empowers that returning to bondage. Another one is our performance. This is a big one. Your performance. You know, as, as a five on the Enneagram, one of our deadly sins is we are perfectionists. You know, one of, my, uh, one of my things is when I work, I, you know, I never want to have to bring stuff back. I never want to have to bring stuff back. If you miss a box, you know, they say, well, you know, you got to keep going because you're on the clock, da, da, da. You know, don't miss too many boxes. You miss a whole street, you got to turn into a street. But if you miss one or two, it's okay. Me, I, I don't, I, if I miss a box, I'm like, throw it in park. I'm like, or not park, I slam on the brakes, I'm like, I weigh it out of my mind. Nah, not throwing a verse. I go put it in the bots. And it could be some junk mail, nothing important. But in my mind, I don't, I have a standard, which is, okay, I want to be the one that comes back to the office and my case is clean because, oh man, look at that brother didn't bring a single thing back. So therefore, the, for the majority of my work shift, watch this, I'm focused on my performance. And my performance is leading to me stressing. My performance is leading to me being nervous. My performance is leading to me being anxious. My performance is leading to me uh, getting upset or frustrated when things aren't going the way that I think they should go. Am I talking to somebody today? Amen. And watch this. That performance allows me, without even realizing it, I were, I, I, I've bound myself. I've bound my emotions. I've bound my, my posture of my heart to what I can do or what I can't do. And if I don't, if I, if I don't reach the standard that I've set for myself, my heart becomes broke. And therefore, I look at things different. I look at things the way I'm not supposed to look at them. Man, I, man, I brought this stuff in. That's just another thing I mess up on. And then, also, and then instantly, all the different times that I've fell short begin to flood my mind. All the different times you've fallen short begin to flood your mind. Why? Because you've attached your worth to your performance. And religion is to return to bondage. You've attached your worth to your performance. In that moment, you are bound to that. And the woman felt guilty and ashamed. Why? Because she knew she wasn't worthy because she had messed up. Not only did everybody know about it, but she had messed up. So therefore, she didn't deem that she was worthy of anything. And that's why Jesus said, hey, no, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. The voice of the older brother silences now. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd. If you read in Psalms 23 in the Passion Translation, if you look at the footnotes, it literally says, the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd that is, uh, is like a friend. 
and a protector and a provider and a healer and a lover. He's the good shepherd. And that good shepherd frees us from what? Religion? From bondage? Frees us from always being reminded of when we mess up? Frees us from our performance? Another thing he frees us from is, uh, we said sin conscious already, but another thing he frees us from is the law of sin and death. The old covenant. The old covenant. Another thing he frees us from is darkness. We said it before, but in the, in the Hebrews, that word darkness, literally hoshek, is, uh, it's the word for misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness, and obscurity. Another thing that we find ourselves bound to, that we've been freed from, is self-destruction. I know this tone is going a little bit different because, you know, we're supposed to be freed and we're supposed to, yeah, but you need to know what you've been freed from. You need to know what illusions that the devil tries to throw up in your mind. You need to know that. We said it last week, but you know, let me remind you, Peter called the devil a roaring lion. A roaring lion. You know what a roaring lion does? A roaring lion, all they can do is roar. Why? Because scientifically it's been proven that the roar of a lion is enough to freeze its prey. I mean... Let's bring a line up in here and let him roar. Let's, let, <laughs> what, what you going to do? <laughs> you know, I named, I named Kellen, we named Kellen Benaiah. We named him Benaiah for a reason, but at the same time, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that Benaiah is going to raise up in him. You know, if you, if you don't know who Benaiah is, I encourage you to look it up. It's a great story. Maybe I can see Benaiah rising up in Kenan. <laughs> My, my boy, look at him. <laughs> listen, li- listen. I I do have two parts of my brain. When uh when I was working that Saturday, and she texted me like, or she called me. She's like, your son is you know being physical, pushing kids. I just trying to get the ball, throw an elbow. You know, I knew I said the right things. I said the right things. But if we're gonna be honest, inwardly I'm like, ooh, my boy, my boy ain't taking nothing. He said, give me that ball. I'm going to score a goal. I'm like, woo. So I, was, so I was trying to create in my mind, I got to find a time to where, like, Kelsey's not around. And I can pull him aside and be like, hey, man, you did all that? Bruh. Daddy sees you. All right. No. No, we didn't. I never got the chance. Don't worry. Never got the chance. <laughs> no. No, we didn't. We didn't. He felt it in the spirit. He knew that his daddy was proud of him. But, you know, if I were to bring a roaring lion in here, we would all freeze for the most part. And I, then the thought for me would be, you know, get Kelsey and the kids, and I just got to be faster than the last person. Ain't got to be the fastest. Ain't got to be Usain Bolt. I just got to be faster than you. Or you or you, whoever is the last person, I got to be faster than the last person. But the de- uh, Peter calls the devil a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Why? Because he doesn't have any power, and he's looking for whoever's believing the illusions, whoever's believing the lies about themselves, whoever is being bound up by their performance. He's looking for those that are bound up and, and wrapped up in a sin consciousness where all they can think about is all the different times that they fall short. Or he's looking for those that are wrapped up in religion and tradition and denomination where, okay, well, this is the way I grew up, and therefore I only see Jesus this way versus this is who God is. He's looking for those that are bound up and froze. And then he does what he does. But we have been freed. Why have we been freed? Why? Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And if we are free, then we are free to see the Father for who he really is. We are free to see the Father for who he really is. We are free to see the Father for who he really is. The last thing that I mentioned was self-destruction. Nobody beats you up like you. Nobody beats you up like you. I don't know about you, but when it comes to me, man, you can't critique me like I can critique myself. Bro, you can't cut me like I can cut myself. Can't nobody cut you like you can cut yourself. Can't nobody push you down like you push yourself down. Can't nobody talk bad about you like you be talking bad about yourself. 
we don't want to admit it, but this is something that we all wrestle with as human beings, not just as Christians, not just as Jesus followers, but as human beings, nobody, nobody can bring up the past like you bring up the past about yourself. Nobody can, nobody can, I mean, we can go on and on and on, but when it comes to self-destruction, nobody beats you up like you do. And Jesus has freed us from this. You don't think the woman, when she was in front of everybody, literally in, in, front, in the temple, you don't think she knew? Like, you don't think she was like, inwardly, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. I can. <sighs> like, you don't think that she wasn't internally beating herself up, internally punishing herself, internally torturing herself. Yes, the Pharisees and Sadducees were talking about stoning her, but she had already thrown many stones at herself internally for what she had done. And guess what? Jesus saw her throwing stones at herself. And he said, hey, hey, they have no reason to throw a stone and neither do you. Not only did he say, hey, guys, y'all don't have a reason to throw the stones, so therefore you can't throw them. He was also talking to her as well. They don't have a reason. Neither do you. Put it down. And can you imagine the, the, the interrupting thought that uh, how uh, all the thoughts must have come to a, yeah, have you ever seen a car crash or ever seen anything crash where it's like, Arr! imagine all those, all those bondage thoughts, all those self-destructive thoughts. All those condemnation, uh, all the condemning thoughts, just, uh, wait, what'd you say? I've been forgiven? The only one that can forgive man of sins is God. Are you, you God? Oh, my Lord, you're, you're him. You're Yahweh. Yes. And wait, if, if you're doing this, that means Father wants this done. Because you don't do anything outside of the will of God. If, if we've seen you, we've seen the Father. If you're, if you're forgiving me, that means Papa forgives me. If you're redeeming me, that means Papa redeems me. If you're loving me, that means Papa. If, you, if you've moved on, ah, Papa has moved on. Newsflash, guess what, church? He's moved on from the things that you keep trying to bring up. He's moved on from things that you are still circling around, circling the cul-de-sac around while he's moved on to a whole nother street. When he say, hey, no, I, I, I have so much more for you. Just forget that. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Yes, that happened. It's, it's, it's over with. We're not going back in time and revisiting that. This isn't back to the future where you're going back in time and staying and dwelling there. He's moved on. He's moved on. Why? Because that's what freedom does. Freedom moves on. Freedom moves on. You know, tomorrow as this country celebrates Independence Day, every day of your life, you need to be celebrating the freedom that you now get to live in. The freedom from the law of sin and death. The freedom of being bound by your self-destructive tendencies. The freedom of when you mess up, thinking, okay, well, I got to punish myself. No, 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 no. It's been forgiven. It's been forgiven. One of the, one of the, one of the most freeing things that definitely humbled me up I remember when we first moved here, I've told this story before, but, you know, I was doing, uh, you know, when we lived in Florida, one of my side jobs was I did DoorDash, and here, it wasn't a thing, really, there was, uh, what was it, um, Grubhub, or Waiter, yeah, Waiter, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, I've seen that one lady with the car, it's weird, anyways, but yeah, <laughs> um, I thought she was a mail carrier, so, you know, mail carrier to mail carrier, I wrote a while, oh, you ain't a mail carrier. <laughs> DoorDash. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was about to, you know, be like, hey, you know, what route you running? Da, da, da. Y'all need some help? Holler at a brother. You know, no, no, no. But you, you, okay, you're just delivering food. I deliver Amazon and letters and junk mail. Okay. You know, you're delivering junk food. All right. That's all I'm saying, you know. <laughs> but I remember when I first moved, <clears throat> when I first moved here. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finish in Galatians chapter 4. We'll, we'll turn there. But when I first moved, when we first moved here, doing waiter, and I remember I got an I got a, a, a order from Linwood, and, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, Lord, Lin, Lindsay's going to see me. You know, she's going, oh, is this what he's doing? Da, da, da. And then, you know, I look at the order, and it's to the middle school. And I'm like, ah, no, it's to Kwood actually. It's to Kwood I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Now everybody will know they're going to be like, Lindsay, is that you? 
what are you doing? And then I have to say, well, what's the little I'm doing? I'm delivering food, you know? Uh, then I gotta, you know, give the whole spiel of my life and all. In the, and I remember I'm sitting in the car, hasn't, haven't even gone to pick up that order yet. I'm just sitting in the car like wrestling. I'm beating myself up. I'm bound in self-destructive tendencies. I'm bound with my shortcomings. I'm bound and entangled in religion. I've returned to this bondage. And I'm beating myself up better than, any, better than Mike Tyson could ever beat myself up. And the Lord interrupts it with, hey, Lindsay, they don't care what you're doing about your life. Lindsay, in this moment, nobody at Kwood, this was nobody at Kwood is thinking, what is Lindsay Melton doing with this life? And I was like, excuse me, Lord, what'd you just say? And I thought about it and I'm like, Lord, you're right. Not because God was being petty and being like, you know, don't nobody care about you. No, no, no. Because he knew in my language, this is how I'm, this is how Lindsay's gonna best receive it and best understand what I'm saying. But in in a, in a nutshell, what he was saying was, Lindsay, those are illusions. Those things are not real. People are not critiquing you the way you think they're going to critique you. In this moment, what he was really saying, in this moment, they are worried about what they have going on. And I began to think about, you know what? And I, as, as I look around, I'm looking at people walking up and down the, you know, the uh, sidewalk, going to their different things, and I'm like, and I could see as the Spirit is telling me, that person, they're worried about their, well, he wasn't telling me specifically, that person's worried about whatever they have going on in their life. I look over, I see a lady walking, that person, she's worried about all the different things she has going on in her life. And I'm like, you know, Lord, that's right. It's like, when you get out this car, nobody's going to be like, oh, there's Lindsay. What's he got going on in his life? Nobody is worried about the way we think they're worried about. And he's like, hold your head up, get out the car and go make some money for your family. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to make money for my family. Let me go do this. And sure enough, I go in, get the order, and nobody say anything to me. Go to Kaywood, guess what? Nobody said anything to me. But the illusion that the devil brought up to me was everybody was going to critique me. But in the reality was, oh, is this our food? Thank you so much, have a good day. I'm like, I stood back there, I'm like, oh. I almost want to be like, do you know who I am? Y'all know, know I used to run this school, right? Me and my cousins, we, we ran, our pictures are right over there. You know who it? Do, do, do recognize, you know? But in that moment, that humble moment, the Lord was like, see? Those illusions, Lindsay, they're only illusions. Kelsey said it last week, when it comes to fear, it's false evidence appearing real. It's false evidence. That anxiety that we, that we get over, the things that we, we're fearful of, it's, it's false. It's not real. It's not real. Somebody say it's not real. It's not real. So we, you and I, we've been freed. Let me say it again. We've been freed from religion. Religion. We have been freed from having a sin consciousness. We, are, we have been freed from uh, our performance, judging our self-worth off of our performance. We've been freed from the law of sin and death, the old covenant. We've been freed from the, the darkness that we talked about in Genesis 1, and we've been freed from self-destruction. So stop destroying yourself. Stop destroying yourself. Amen? Amen? Let me end with this. In Galatians chapter 4, actually we're not going to end. We're almost there. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. That promise will be done. 1 through 7. Paul says this, he says, in a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better. A, something better. You know what that means? It means something better. All right, but as, a, as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant, although he's the master over all of them. For until the time appointed by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us when we are juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and full legal adoption as his children. Watch this. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit series is done, but you notice how every, it, we, keep, we keep seeing him pop up. 
It's like you buy that new car and that's, you know, everybody around town has got it. It's not that everybody is following you and trying to copy you. It's just now you're aware of what you possess. Now that you've heard about the Holy Spirit, you're aware of how he's involved in everything. And we have been, uh, the, the true journal of God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you are our true father. One translation says, Abba, Father. And then verse seven. <clears throat> now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own what? And what? You walk around as a son. You walk around as a daughter of God. God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, look at that. We can access everything our father has. You're the beloved of God. We said the last week, you're the beloved of God. We can access everything our father has for we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. We have been freed and redeemed from all that we mentioned earlier. I love it because in verse six literally says, because we have the spirit of sonship in our hearts, we can see the father for who he really is. And then verse seven, if we are God's children, then we are supposed to live like God's children. If we're God's children, then we're supposed to live like God's children. I'll be honest, I'm the son of George Mellon Sr. So therefore, when I walk in AutoZone, when I walk in AutoZone, I know that at the end of my experience, I'm going to get one thing that nobody else, nobody else that could come in there can get, except for Dre and Kelsey and the kids and, and mom. But if it's just me in there, I'm going to get one thing that nobody else gets. You know what it is? All right, number one, you have a good one. I love you. I'll see you later. He ain't telling that to anybody else. He's telling it to me. You know why? Because I'm his son. Therefore, my experience with him will be different than anyone else. You are God's son or you're God's daughter. Your experience with God will be different than any app that could ever be created. It'll be different than any other human being that's ever that's ever come in or, or left your life. It will be different than any food that you can partake of. It'll be different than any song that you've ever heard, whether it's the greatest song or not the greatest song. It'll be different than your most favorite movie. It will be different than anything that you will experience on the earth. Why? Because the sonship or the daughtership, your relationship with Papa cannot be replicated. It cannot be duplicated. It cannot be intimidated. It cannot be mocked. It cannot be squinched. It is forever. It is binding by what Jesus did at the cross. We're sons and daughters of God. Therefore, we get to walk in a level of freedom that you cannot experience through anything or anyone else. You know, I love, you know, I have a friend in Bristol that when I get around him, you have to pray for Kelsey and the kids because you can tell when I'm around him, Lindsay is, Lindsay's different. You know, I'm, I'm loosey-goosey. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a different side of Lindsay. And, you know, a lot of times, if, even if I've called him on the phone, Kelsey will be like, did you talk to da 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 I'm like, yeah, I can tell. You feel, you're feeling yourself, Lindsay. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're a little looser. You know, you know, button it up a little bit. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's never said that. <laughs> but as much freedom as I have would be in that being around this certain person, the, it doesn't compare to the freedom that comes when I'm in the when I'm aware of oh, Holy Spirit, that's you, Papa, that's you. You are my champion. You are the way maker. There is no one, no one that could do what you do. No one above, no one beside you, no one like you, God. There will be no others. No other, other, other. No other, other, others. Why? Because he's, he's holy. Holy is set apart. And that's who Papa is. Papa is holy. He is the holy God. Why is he set apart? Because there is nothing, because he created all things. There is nothing like him. Nothing and no one. And his divine nature 
exists in the person that you see in the mirror. It does. And we see it flourish as we are parents and that love that you have. Like when, when, when I'm not, I hate to do this, but when Ashley brought uh, the baby in, I couldn't help. I, I was looking, I was like, And, I'm, and I begin, as I walk away, I begin to think, now, 10 plus years ago, I would not have done that. I would have been like, oh, there's a baby. <laughs> you know? I would have been quiet. I would have been quiet. I would have, you know, I wouldn't have been up to, oh, there's a baby. No. I just, no, there's a baby. You know, and fast forward, I'm like, oh, there's a baby. Shh, everybody. Shh. You can't see the baby. You need a ticket. You got a ticket. You ain't got a ticket, so you can't see the baby. And I'm like, as I'm walking around, I'm like, Lord, where does this come from? I'm like, oh, this is, Lord, is, is this you loving through me? Is this what it's like, how you feel about your creation? Oh, there's Miranda. She's awake. There's Kevin. Oh, there's, there's Ashley. There's Kelsey. Oh, there's Lindsay. Lord, is, 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 am, am, I, am I feeling what you feel as Papa, where I get excited about creation? where I get excited about someone that, and the, 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 we're not blood related, but I get excited, why? Because he's in me. Papa's love is in me. I've experienced Papa's love, and I recognize opportunities to replicate that love as well, or share that love, to the point that, oh, is that the love I Look at us, I count. That's what freedom looks like. That's what freedom looks like versus, oh, man, look at that baby. Well, my, our babies never wore that. Our babies never had that kind of car seat cover. Or our baby, no, no, no. Being bound is, is looking at somebody else's reality and then comparing your reality to theirs. And I promise I'm, we'll finish with Galatians 5.1. But being bound is looking at somebody else's reality and comparing it to yours. But being freed is looking at somebody else's reality and celebrating their reality. Oh man, look at that baby. Oh man, look at that new vehicle. Well, it's not new, it's you still, it's new, baby. Look at it. Oh man, look at that shirt, that's a nice shirt. Oh man, you sang that song so good. I'm so glad to see you again. That's what freedom looks like, Galatians 5.1, and we're done. Paul said, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partitionally, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse. Look, look at this. If you want to be stubborn, Paul says, here's the area you need to be stubborn in. Stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of your past. If, you, if, if there's anywhere you need to be stubborn, that's where you need to be stubborn. Recognizing, okay, I'm walking in freedom. That's what I'm, oh, that's an illusion over there. I'm not going back to that. Those, 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 uh, those, those the, the thoughts in the back of our head, I'm, I'm not giving strength to that. I'm not pouring gasoline on the, on the things, on reading between the lines. I'm not pouring gasoline on what I thought the other person thought. You know, you ever been in a conversation where you're like, well, you know, what do they mean when they said that? No, no I'm, not, I'm, not giving, I'm not giving strength to that. I'm not giving time to that. I'm staying, I'm staying in this realm of freedom. I'm staying in this circle of freedom. And the moment that I recognize, when you recognize that, come in, oh, no, no, no. Holy Spirit, empower me to see who the Father really is. Holy, come on, that needs to be your prayer, Holy Spirit, empower, and whatever it is. For the rest of your life, until, until you're with him face to face, Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Yesterday, it happened at work. Holy Spirit, Lord, empower me. I was getting sleepy as I'm, as I'm driving. Holy Spirit, empower me to drive this car. I was looking for a lost, Holy Spirit, empower me to find this lost package so I could go home. Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, empower me because I'm getting ready to walk in and I know my kids are going to want to play. So Holy Spirit, empower me with some strength or empower me just with the smile on my face. Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, empower me to be stubborn and not. And Holy Spirit, empower me to be stubborn and, and refuse to go back to my past. What's waiting for you in the past? Nothing good. I heard, I heard one, uh, one very smart person say the. The, it's tempting to relive the good old days, you know, in my day, back in the day. 
when music was good, when movies was good, when you know you can turn on Saturday morning cartoons to get a good lineup, when PBS had really good shows, and you know that, yeah, yeah. Or back in my day when Retzals, you go to Retzals to get a milkshake. You can, you know, in my day, back in the day, you could go to Pizza Inn and get a, get a good quality pizza. And Granny let you go to the arcade without mom and daddy knowing. You know, in my day, things were things were so much better in my day. In my day, you could do mathathons and then you know get rewarded with Pizza Inn, or you could do all these different things. Get I, you know, in my day. But here's here's the truth about the good old days. A lot of times when it comes to the good old days, we only remember the good parts, and we become we have amnesia when it comes to all the bad parts. All the in those good old days, we still worried. We still stressed. We still, we still were confused about the future. We still confused about our self-worth in the good old days. But when we think about the good old days, for some reason we have amnesia and we don't remember all that stuff. We don't remember all that stuff. So therefore we see it through a distorted view. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to yearn for that distorted view of our past and we'll compare our past to our present. And we'll sin because we'll try to recreate what God has already closed the door on. Well, Lord, it was so much better then. I, I had this and Jesus is like, I've redeemed you and that is always around you. Stop yearning for what you already have. Walk in freedom, amen? Walk in freedom. He literally said, be stubborn and refuse to go back into your past bondage. Your past bondage. The things that keep you up at night. The things that make your blood pressure go up. The things that make your body swell. The things that make your head hurt. The things that make you question your existence. The things that make you question, am I going to be a good parent because I can't do, do, do like this next person? Or the things that make you wonder, okay, well, is God going to bring me somebody because I'm still single? The things that make you wonder, well, is God ever going to give me more than enough money because I'm still having to work this job or I'm still having to do overtime or I'm still having to do this. I'm still driving this type of vehicle. I'm still by myself. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still. No. When you, when you have that saga of thoughts, Pray in the spirit. Fortify that shield wall. And let the Holy Spirit raise the standard within you. So you can be reminded, oh, I'm free. I'm free. Freedom looks good on you, church. Amen. Freedom looks good on you. Look at somebody say, freedom looks good on you.